Welcome to this edition of Joffrey Maverick Memories Podcast, a companion project for the documentary film Joffrey Mavericks of American Dance. This series will highlight personal stories from the alumni of the Joffrey Ballet Company during its more than 50-year history to give a unique inside perspective on what it was like to be part of this groundbreaking American dance company. Today's guest is Chartel Arthur, who spent 13 years dancing with the Joffrey Company starting in 1965. She also taught at Robert Joffrey's annual summer intensive program in San Antonio, Texas for 11 years and returned to the company as ballet mistress in 1998 until her recent retirement. Today, she's the managing director of the Gerald Arpino and Robert Joffrey Foundation, an organization that is committed to maintaining the legacy of the Joffrey Ballet by licensing choreographic works, educating dancers and students, and encouraging the talents of young choreographers. You studied for a time with um, Bronislava Nijinska. I did. She came um, from Los Angeles uh, every Saturday um, for my senior year in high school and taught us and taught us some choreography, a little bit of choreography, a little lay biche. And um, so, it, yeah, it was very, very interesting to work with her um, that, that last year that I was at. It turned out to be the last year I was at home because then I, then I left um, after I graduated from high school. Now, uh, I hear that she was a little bit, I mean, in her younger days maybe, a, a little tough to deal with. When you met her, when you were with her, she must have been quite a lot older. Uh, Oh my goodness! Yes, I mean she. Yes, definitely. Um, I have to. I have never sort of equated what age she was when, you know, in the early '60s when I was. Um, but she, you know, she had to be in her late '70s or early '80s. Um, oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. When, um, and she was tough. Uh, yeah, she was. But she was really sweet. You know, she mm. would always. She would always throw you a kiss, and. Um, and she saw me um, perform Black Swan Pot at one of our school's performances in, in Los Angeles. And, and, and she came backstage, and she was complimentary. I, I couldn't believe it. I, oh, my gosh. Madam Nijinska. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, she, was, she, was actually, she was actually quite sweet. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then you went off to, to New York to the Joffrey School. Had you Were you looking to go into any kind of company in particular, or was the Joffrey one of your main choices? Uh, no, it was completely by accident. I went and visited my aunt and uncle in Victoria, British Columbia, and I was going to go back to junior college. And my uncle sort of watched um, me go every day and come back every day and how much I loved to dance. And he actually helped, helped me... Um, with the, with the teacher, because I went up to study for the summer. I would mm-hmm. I would never go up and you know not study. So I studied with a, a teacher in, in in Victoria, and they all helped me. Um, they pursued either uh, Royal Winnipeg or Joffrey, and it, it and it was it just Joffrey turned out to be obviously the, the wonderful. And I think it was a little harder in those days to you know for me to be co- join Canadian company mm-hmm. and. And Mr. Joffrey was very interested, so I had to come for us, you know, to audition for a scholarship for the school. The company at that point was disbanded because um, he, uh, he had he had pulled away from Rebecca Harkness and her and her funding and, pa- and patronage. So there was no Joffrey Ballet at that time. Right. But so you were I just a at, student, and he was just yes. I was that was student. when he was trying to to train up the next group. Yes. So I was I came at a very fortuitous time <laughs> to the to the school because. He just, within the next 
five months received the Ford Foundation funding um, to start the, what we always called the new company from the old company. It was just it was just the old old company was the Harkness and pre Harkness time, and then the new company we always called so the new company was um, after after the the break, and there was no Joffrey Valley for you know a year, right? And then the new company was formed in in the, the winter of 1965. And so this is a time, because I usually don't speak with people too much from your era at the moment, that you got to spend a lot of time with with Gerald Arpino and, and Mr. Joffrey. He was in Mr. the studio Joffrey. with you all the time, and um, yes. it really much more of a family atmosphere, I guess, because it was small and, and, and lots of personal attention from both of them. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, Mr. Joffrey was teaching at the school all this time that there was no company, so I had a lot of classes with him. And, you know, I I, I really, I mean, even today teaching at the Joffrey School here in New York, I, I was saying Mr. Joffrey said this and Mr. Joffrey said that, and this is why I teach this way because Mr. Joffrey said this. And he was such a wonderful teacher and so logical. And he brought the best from so many different styles of classical ballet. He didn't feel one style was all-encompassing that um, none were wrong, but that the best of many different styles. And he was such a wonderful teacher for all, you know, all parts of your body. He didn't emphasize the turnout. He didn't emphasize, you know, lots of pirouettes. I mean, he emphasized, if anything, he emphasized the arm and up, arms and upper body a lot because he was very all-encompassing. Everything was important to him, whether it was a dancer or his company. And then Jerry, we, we always called him Jerry. <laughs> um, he 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 was interesting to work with because even as scholarship students at the school, he was starting to work on choreography for what became the new company. And he would ask us, you know, babies, babies, come in and 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 let's let's play around in the studio. So we did, of course, and and that that did evolve into Viva Vivaldi, one of his very lasting ballets um, from 1965. Mm-hmm. And so it was very interesting to work with him and, and entirely different than Mr. Joffrey. Jerry probably did, you know, an average three or four ballets a year. Um, wow. So he was, he was quite busy and, yeah. um, and prolific and, and, and very, very different. You know, his ballets really, you look back at clowns and Trinity and, oh my, my gosh, um, Viva Vivaldi and Valentine and, they they are so entirely different from each other, yeah, and all with a wonderful theatrical sense. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He and very and different. so, um, you know, how was this for you coming probably from a much more classical standpoint to come into doing choreography where it, it, you know he was looking uh, at your movement and and sort of making other uh, movement good question. out of it. <laughs> very good question. It was it was at first it was very difficult for me because my teacher taught. You know, um, you know, we did lace of feeds. We learned swan, like we learned nutcracker pot of the, you know, I learned black swan pot of the, like I said. You know, it, she it was very little limited in any kind of contemporary work and certainly nothing off point, zero, nothing off point. So, um, even, but even working with Jerry, always on, on point, it, it, there was a lot of off-center things, mm-hmm. you know, and really using the torso in a very contemporary way with point shoes on, and it was it was quite different for me, quite different. And it, it I needed to, you know, I and I needed to learn, and I did I did learn how to how to work with him because it was it was very foreign at first. I right. think, um, you know, in the documentary, um, Helgi Helgi 
talks about that. And, yes. and it's exactly the same for me. And so now you, um, you're ahead of the, of the foundation that really um, keeps yes, the work alive, I, I, tries to get other companies to perform it, um, make sure that it you know, stays within right, the, yeah. the realm of the audience now. So um, how do you feel like uh, some of that choreography stands up today? Is it still relevant today? And, um, and what was it about the choreography that, that the audience really enjoyed that was different than what an audience for a classical ballet enjoys? All right. Yes. Um, so, yes, I am the managing director of the Gerald Arpino and Robert Joffrey Foundation that licenses the ballets to, you know, companies, um, also universities and, and schools. I mean, we just have to uphold the, the standards of, of the choreographers. But um, we, the, we, want to, we want to promote and keep up, you know, and, and keep in the view of the public the, uh, the, um, their works because I feel, I feel many of the works, certainly not all of them, but, but so many, a very large percentage of the works are, are, are so, um, so still so relevant because they're very accessible by the audience. The audience I feel audiences love them so much because they, they could identify with them and they weren't this esoteric modern or, or, or classical ballet that they, they couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the wonderful energy that, that Jerry loves so much um, I think it was just something that the audience was just thr- were thrilled by, and um, and and I think it's the same today. I mean, um, case in point, um, American Repertory Ballet in Princeton, New Jersey, Douglas Martin just um, did ca- uh, Confetti, which is the is three couples with tambourines um, that Jerry did in 1971, I think. Mm-hmm. Hope I'm right there, <laughs> and and it, it received a marvelous review, you know, from from the critic, um, a very knowledgeable critic. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but he, you know, he he felt that that Arpino did not receive the what he was due as a choreographer in his in his lifetime. That he his contribution was much greater than many people, um, many I think critics uh, have said. Whereas the general audience, if you talk to them, um, it's a much different situation. And, and I, I spoke with a, a woman last summer when I was teaching, um, guest teaching, and she had seen light rain in the 80s, and she couldn't remember. She said it was something about water, and I, I had to think a minute. She said, maybe rain, and I went, oh, light rain. And she remembered from the mid-80s, she said, I remember that ballet absolutely to this day. She couldn't quite remember the name, right. but she remembered the ballet, and she remembered it was by Arpino. And she said, it was just fabulous. I just, I remember it. My, I remember the experience of, of being at that ballet and enjoying it so much. Jerry is very straightforward with the themes of his ballets. And, um, no, and I think Mr. Joffrey was a little more, um, subtle in his themes, mm-hmm. but, um, but, but obviously he didn't have the time to choreograph like Jerry did and, and, and a much different choreo- choreographer in style than, than Jerry. Um, I mean, beautiful, beautiful, but very different and not as, um, uh, what's the right word in your face? Maybe I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, but but you know Jerry was just there. He he was just that was his his emotions as a person. He was you know he was just so um, uh, energetic as a person, 
and Mr. Joffrey was a little little more regarded uh, as a person, and uh, I mean wonderful, but just more guarded. And his his ballets tended to be more lyrical in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He loved opera other- too. The other aspect of it is that um, Mr. Joffrey very much wanted to also preserve the work of old masters, and especially underappreciated ones. And you were yes. in the company when he first started yes. doing that. Um, yes. What was and it I, like I think, to bring... I think that's brought out so wonderfully in you know, the documentary. Yes. Um, that, that, that what importance it was you know, to Mr. Joffrey to pres- preserve those old masterpieces, Parade and Sacra and... I mean, you know, I can make names so many, but just, uh, you know, would they, would someone else have done it? We, you know, we don't know that, but he did do it. And um, just, you know, just fascinating and marvelous. And he loved doing that too. He loved teaching and he loved um, delving into the history of ballets, you know, and, 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 you know, just being like a detective and, and trying to find every last amount of information about an old ballet. He must have just loved Parade. You know, and trying to, like I said, trying to get the right colors and, you know, and at, talking to Messine about, you know, resetting it and restaging it. And I know, I know he loved things like that. And how was it as a company member to be performing those works? Oh, very, uh, very different, actually. Um, I never was in Parade. Um, I was never in Sacra. So Green some of the old um, yes, definitely Green Table right from the beginning when Joffrey did it. So, oh, and it's like, I guess probably if I had to name one single ballet, that would be one I would like to dance again if I, if I ever could, of course. Um, it would probably be Green Table. I mean, it's hard to really say because, you know, ballets are so different. How do you say your favorite? But the Green Table was a very, um, was, had a very deep meaning for many of us in many different ways, both publicly and personally. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a very special ballet to everybody in the cast and each cast, I think, through the years. You were part of the filming of The Company when it took place in, I guess, the early 2000s. I was reading an interview with you about Nev Campbell and yes. how she took class with The Company and she didn't really have... Dance stand-ins like Natalie Portman did for for the Black Swan and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. How was no. that experience of of not not performing as like in Dance in America, but really in a narrative film where it's fictional but based on reality? Um, it was it, it was such a great experience and certainly something I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever be in a major motion picture. <laughs> and with Robert Altman um, directing it. It was, again, just, just like Yost, you know, and it, he was such a special person. He was, again, so marvelous to work with and, and to talk with and to hear his stories that it just made the whole experience special. And Nev, Nev really, you know, right from the beginning, she took company class. Um, she started, you know, you know, taking classes before she even came. But, she, I mean, she worked really hard. She didn't, you know, she didn't lock herself out and say, somebody else dance this, I can't do it. She really, you know, immersed herself in with the Joffrey Ballet. And just as circumstances would have it, I uh, worked with her a great deal. The other ballet masters were um, busy uh, with Taming the Shrew at that point. They had been in it, and I had never um, 
been in Taming the Shoe, so I had a, a lot, a lot more time to work um, on the repertoire that ended up in the, the movie and work with Nev. And and somehow Robert Altman picked a lot of the ballets that I was in charge of as a ballet master. <laughs> so I was really, really, really busy, um, and it was a great experience. Just oh gosh, marvelous. And as I said, he 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 was just terrific with all of us. And you and know, were you he happy was, with the end of the with the film when you saw it film, when it came out? Um, with the absolute dancing part, yes. I think some of it was um, uh, uh, because of it, I think there were too many stories, mm-hmm. and tr- tried to incorporate too many stories in one film. Um, but they were all true. I mean, other than then um, James Franco walking through in the bows at the very end of the movie, which I, if it happened in the Joffrey Ballet, I, I never saw it happen. I don't know. I don't think it did. But um, but Altman, he did say that, he, you know, there were, he, he would take license with a few things. <laughs> and, right. and he said, yeah, he said, you know, I don't know anything about ballet. You need to tell me if something is really wrong. And he said, then I'll decide if I want to do it or not. Because, you know, like cinematically, he, he knows, obviously, what looks good and and it's good on the screen. And once in a while, we'd have to say, you know, in, in the Jockey Valley, that really would not have happened, and that it's not the right way. And then he would decide if he wanted to do it or not. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, I, think, um, I think the dancing part of the film is, was done wonderfully. His, um, one of his sons was on the, one of the um, cameras, did a wonderful job, and the editing was good. Yeah, I think I think the dancing part of the film was really, really excellent, and Nev did a wonderful job. Gosh, yeah, you know she hadn't danced for I think like ten years. She wow. studied at National Ballet of Canada School, um, but she hadn't she had not danced at all for ten years. So she really she did a great job. You know, she taped her toes, she put her point shoes on, and and she worked very hard. And so tell me again, if when somebody wants to uh, perform something of Arpino choreography, what is the procedure for uh, licensing the, um, the piece and being able to perform it? Um, yeah, the organization would call me mm-hmm. um, as the managing director, and then we would talk about um, if they have a particular ballet in mind or if they say they would like, uh, to talk about either an Arpino or Joffrey Ballet and what size of company or school or, or um, university they have and um, how what they feel the level is of, if it's not a professional company, if it's a professional company, you know, of course the level is going to be much much different, but, but a lot of universities and schools, academies, um, conservatories are, are doing the Arpino works. And we discuss that and um, maybe how many men they have, um, what their budget is, and we sort of go from there. And, and I try very much, very much, to um, tailor the the financial part to the institution. Um, you know, because we do, we do want, as we said, to keep the Arpino and Joffrey works um, alive and in the forefront. And they are being done many, many places this year. Right, next year. So. Yeah, and so, they, and then what happens? You, you come; they have to come and and uh, they have to fly somebody out to set the ballet on the company, or how? Um, yes. Then I then I talk to a rep- a repetitor, and um, it's always someone that has you know performed in the ballet, or has has coached the ballet as a ballet master, so they know 
you know, they know the work. They know our Pinot's work well. They know his style well. Um, likewise, of course, with Mr. Joffrey. And um, they, they go in and stage set the work for, um, depending on how long it is, to uh, one week or two weeks. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then sometimes go back for the, for the performances, the staging on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are sometimes not, uh, especially, especially people that have worked with, with, um, with Arpino or Joffrey and that know the style well. Um, right. Then we, we absolutely trust them to, to keep the integrity and the artistry of, of the works. And you also have a, a YouTube channel now where people can see pieces of the mm-hmm. work and, mm-hmm. and get an idea mm-hmm. of the kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And the website, the um, Arpino Joffrey uh, Foundation.org. Yes, yes. So, yeah, the foundation's growing. We're very pleased. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this edition of our podcast. Visit our website at www.joffreymovie.com to sign up and receive a free series of digital photo books entitled Joffrey Maverick Moments. Find us on Facebook, Joffrey Ballet Movie. Follow us on Twitter, at Joffrey Movie. And view our video clips on our YouTube channel, Joffrey Movie.